What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode nine of the Gridiron Authority podcast. My name's Keith Thornton, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mike Adams. What's up, Mike? Oh, we got a lot to cover today, Keith. We got week one headlines of the NFL season. We got our picks for the week one games. We've got the fantasy preview, who you should play, who you should sit during week one. And we're going to have a quick recap of the college uh, uh, week one of college football. So we got a lot to cover today. Uh, Let's get to it. Let's do it. All right, week one of the NFL season is finally upon us after what seems like a forever preseason. Um, let's start with some headlines. Obviously, the biggest headline, Ezekiel Elliott, finally gets his contract with the Cowboys. Uh, it's a six-year, $90 million contract with $50 million in guarantees, which makes him the highest paid running back in the league. And we're not talking about by just a little. Um, I think Todd Gurley's guaranteed money was in the 20s. And in Zeke's is in the 50s. So we're talking about a massive contract. Um, Mike is a Cowboys fan. You pretty pumped about this? I mean, it's a bittersweet thing. It's obviously we want want Zeke on the field. We're a better team with Zeke. Uh, You know, this is a a year I think we have, I don't want to say legit Super Bowl aspirations, but I feel like this is the closest we've, we've really been to potentially making that Super Bowl in the last, honestly, probably 20 years. Um, so, I mean, we want Zeke on the field. I, I mean, I, I don't like seeing that he's attached to the team for the next eight years because I think that'll take him to around age 20 or uh, 32, sorry. And, I mean, most running backs start dropping off pretty heavy around 27, 28. So uh, I'm not a fan of the length of the contract. I'm a fan that I, I, I'm a big fan that he's going to be on the field. He's going to be ready to play. He's going to be ready to help us week one. But I do have some hesitations moving forward. You know, we're talking year three, year four of that contract, year five. Um, I'm not sure if he'll still be the same player. I, I It's highly unlikely, honestly. But to me, you know, if he can give us three to four more great years and then those other years are, are good years, um, I'll be happy with that, you know, stay out of trouble off the field, obviously, but, uh, it's, it's a bittersweet thing. I think the contract's a little too long in my opinion, but I'm glad he's on the field. I'm, you know, let's live in the now, you know, for this and, and, uh, hopefully he can go out, help us win some games and, and, uh, hopefully get us back to the Super Bowl. So. And I think one thing that, that a lot of people are kind of overlooking, yeah, it's the, it's the biggest contract for a running back. But for all your skill positions, it's still going to be the cheapest for a star player like he is. Uh, if you're talking a wide receiver, you look at Odell Beckham's contracts. They're massive. Quarterbacks, obviously, are in the 30s and higher. So $15 million a year uh, sounds like a lot for a running back, but the Cowboys have made it completely clear that this guy is their offense. Um, it's clear that Dak Prescott's not going to be the sole passer and driver of this offense and they're going to rely on Zeke a lot. So in in my opinion, if you're going to play pay a skill position player top dollar, it's really the the best bargain of a deal to pay a running back as long as you can just hope that he stays healthy because uh running backs in, in their 30s don't really I mean by the time his contract's up he'll be in the 30s and like you said they don't really have a good track record of running very good past and just look at Adrian Peterson. Uh but for right now when you've got a team that's on the fringe of a Super Bowl and you're locking your your best player up for $15 million a year, I think it's a pretty decent bargain. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it, it is a bittersweet thing. I, I do wish the contract was shorter, but I, I am extremely happy that, that he's in there. I mean, anytime you get a top three player at his position, uh, you know, on your team and ready to go, you know, get on the field and help your team win. I mean, obviously you're you're better for that. Um, but the long-term ramifications, you know, I do, I am a little afraid of, um, I hope it doesn't affect us potentially re-signing Amari Cooper or Dak Prescott, or, you know, in a few years, uh, you know, someone like a Leighton Vander Ash, as long as it doesn't get in the way of that, you know, I'm all for it, but, uh, you know, I just hope it didn't sabotage us long-term. So short-term, I love it long-term, uh, you know, a little hesitant on it, but again, like I said, I'm just glad he's back on the field. You know, I have to say, we kind of we talked about this off air. It it seems like the 
the headlines this last week have been dominated by Jerry Jones handing out contracts to keep his his core intact. They've got the whole offensive line locked up to what 2023. Um, now they've got Zeke. It sounds like they're going to work on extension for Dak. I, I feel like they're going all in this year, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like it. I mean, but the, the good thing with a lot of these is, um, you know, like you said, they're locked up for for several years. So it's it's almost one of those, even if they don't get it this year, they should be in position for at least a few more years to come, uh, assuming that they're able to re-sign Dak and they're able to re-sign uh, Amari Cooper. Um, I, I think by the time someone like a Leighton Van Der Esch comes around for a contract extension, that's when you'll start seeing guys like Tyron Smith or Travis Frederick either retire or perhaps, you know, be in that age to where they're willing to renegotiate their deal and kind of take lesser money to create room for someone like him. Um, so, I mean, the, it, they're definitely going for the now, but at the same time, quietly securing their future. Exactly. So let's take a look at in all preseason we've been talking about the two contract holdouts. Ezekiel Elliott's is finished. The book's closed. That's a done deal. Um, the Melvin Gordon one is not so cut and dry. Uh, the Chargers came out and said, hey, we're done negotiating until next offseason. So either you're going to play or you're not. Um, they had gave him permission to request a trade. And it looks like the only offer that I've actually seen documented was the Eagles offered Jordan Howard and a swap of mid-round picks to the Chargers for Melvin Gordon, which obviously they turned down because it's almost nothing. Essentially saying, let's just trade running backs. And the Chargers didn't want anything to do with that. And and now Ian Rappaport and a couple of these other guys are reporting that there doesn't look like there's going to be a trade done at all. Uh, Melvin Gordon's standing firm, and it, it sounds like this is going to be for the long haul, right? I think so. It's, I mean, it's kind of an unfortunate thing because, I mean, Melvin Gordon, he's a great player, but uh, I mean, kind of, I, I applaud both sides really in this because I, I like seeing the Chargers stand firm saying, hey, you know, we don't believe you're, you know, we believe you're a great player. We don't believe you're worth the money you're asking for. But, you know, I also like seeing Melvin Gordon saying, well, if, you know, if that's the case, then I just won't play. You know, I'd rather set out than, than not be paid the value, you know, my value. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's kind of, a it's nice to kind of see both sides kind of stand their ground. Unfortunately, as fans, we're kind of being hurt a little bit, um, because I mean, you want to see the best team out there. You want to see the best product on the field and, and Austin Eckler and Jackson are, are quality running backs, but they're not Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, I was really hoping to see, you know, kind of a back and forth between the chiefs and chargers this year, but with Melvin Gordon out, um, I, now I'm kind of seeing the Chiefs not only win the division, but you know I could see him winning the division by you know two, three, four games now because the Chargers are not going to be the same team. Like I said, Eckler and Jackson are, are quality running backs, but uh, the offense definitely will not be the same without Melvin Gordon. And I think one of the things that you can definitely see as a difference between Gordon and Elliott is. Ezekiel Elliott is that offense's centerpiece. So everything's really revolves around how Ezekiel Elliott's running. Melvin Gordon is not the center of focus for the Chargers offense. It's definitely Phillip Rivers in the passing game. So for him to be looking at money the same as Ezekiel Elliott isn't to me, he's not it's not the same role in the team. Melvin Gordon, don't get me wrong, is a fantastic running back. He's dynamic. I would put him in the top 10 running backs. I don't think he's number one. Um, but I just don't think he plays the same kind of role as Ezekiel Elliott. He's not going to be that bell cow. The team runs through him. If he has a bad game, the whole team suffers. There's There can be games where Melvin Gordon either is hurt or only has 50 yards, and they can still win off of Phillip Rivers' arm. So I think that's where he kind of lost some of his leverage. He just doesn't have the same absence. His absence isn't felt as much as in Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, and and – I mean, not to take anything away from Melvin Gordon, I I don't believe he's um, at this point in time a top five back in the league with the emergence of guys like Saquon Barkley and then you have Gurley and you have Christian McCaffrey and Zeke Elliott and stuff. Um, I'm not 100% positive he's a top five back, but he wants top five money. Uh, Do I believe he he deserves more money than what he's getting paid? Absolutely. Um, But he should not be on the same level as as a Zeke and a Gurley and stuff. And 
and so like i said i do like that the chargers are 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 holding firm and if he's willing to to sit out the season and miss out on that money you know that's you know that's on him i guess um again it is a little disappointing because we want to see the best product out on the field but um i mean i i like we've said numerous times in in this podcast you know for really for weeks that we we don't expect melvin gordon to play this year um, we've said it for for weeks upon weeks, and and so nothing has changed. And now now our thoughts have really been confirmed by by Melvin Gordon and by the uh, by the Chargers, and really the rest of the league because the rest of the league is unwilling to trade for him, you know, as well. So um, I think teams would be willing to give up uh, extra stuff to get him, but I don't think that once they get him, they're going to be willing to give him the money he wants anyways. So. Um, I mean, it's just, I guess, just kind of wait and see. So speaking of trades, and this might kind of tell you how other teams value the running back position as well. One of the biggest headlines of the week, uh, there was a lot happening this week, but this one was one of the bigger ones. Jadavion Clowney traded to the Seahawks for a third round pick and Barkevius Mingo and Jacob Martin. Um, it, it seems like the Seahawks robbed the Texans blind, in my opinion. That feels. I mean, I feel like if you did that in Madden, it wouldn't even show up on the trade meter of even being a thought. What do you think about that trade? Yeah, I mean the C- the Seahawks won the trade. I think it was a trade. I mean, it's no doubt they won the trade. Um, I think it was a trade that the Texans did simply to end the drama and in the you know just in the the soap opera really that was going on. I think it was something they wanted to get rid of of Jadavion Clowney and they were willing to take whatever was offered and and the Seahawks did a great job and took advantage of that and and got him for, for I mean I mean next to nothing um and so I mean yeah it, it, it's a crazy trade and I mean the Seahawks definitely want it well the crazy part is we it, just before that trade happened we had heard that they tried trading Jadavion Clowney and a first round pick to the Dolphins for Laramie Tunsil, and the Dolphins turned it down. Then they trade Jadavion Clowney to the Seahawks. They still trade for J- or Laramie Tunsil, but they get Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills and a fourth and sixth round pick for two firsts and a second. Uh, to me, that also seems crazy, uh, but the other way. I mean, the Texans just seem to be getting robbed both ways on both trades. I mean, I, they get two good players in Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. But to give two first round draft picks in a second again seems really steep. Yeah, I mean it's it's another one. To, to me, this is kind of a screaming "Let's win now!" And our only way to win is we need to be able to match the Chiefs in in offense. Um, I think a lot of teams are trying to do that. Really, no one can at this point. But, you know, as far as we can tell, heading into the season. Uh, Laramie Tunzel's a, a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle. Kenny Stills is a, I mean, Kenny Stills could be a number two receiver on over half the teams in the NFL. He's a, he's a legit, you know, receiver. Um, and he's going to be their number three, you know, potentially number four receiver. So, I mean, they're going to, they're going to put up some points, but their defense is definitely going to be hurting after getting rid of Jadavion Clowney because they don't really have anyone to replace him. Um, I mean, right now it just screams of we have to win right now. And, you know, we don't care if it more, you know, if we have to mortgage our, our future, the, the other concern I have with it is you have, uh, O'Brien making all the trades, you know, and this kind of, it kind of seems like, uh, you know, I feel like if I don't do well this season, I'm going to lose my job and I have control of these trades. So I'm going to leverage all of this because, you know, if we don't win, I'm out of a job anyways. And if we lose, I'm out of a job. So, uh, or if we win, then, you know, sorry, if we win, then I'm going to look like a genius. Uh, and it's not going to matter if we tank over the next three or four years because we won a Super Bowl this year. Uh, so, I mean, it, it it's a, it's a very interesting situation that, uh, I mean, they, they kind of are doing the opposite of the Dolphins where the Dolphins are getting rid of everything to build for the future the Texans are getting rid of everything to win right now. Yeah, and I think two things become abundantly clear here. They can say all they want, but the Dolphins are completely tanking for Tua. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they they are cleaning house of everyone they had. They even cut their long snapper, who was the longest tenured player in the NFL. Uh, they cut him loose for what reason? I mean, they, it's not like they couldn't afford him. 
It's not like yeah. he was going to be bad. They're just, they're just cleaning house in hopes of completely doing a rebuild, which they're now armed with three first round picks here in the next couple of years. And, and it can be done, but I think uh, it's setting up their coach for failure. And the other thing is I think Bill O'Brien went from a dark horse Super Bowl caliber team to he is so much on the hot seat. It's ridiculous right now because we talked about our predictions. We had the Texans and Colts in a two-way battle for this division. Then Andrew Luck retires. Then it seemed like the Texans just had it under control. And now they've traded away their future. They've traded away Jadavion Clowney. And they have to win. Like you said, they're in that mode now where they have to win this year or Bill O'Brien will be unemployed. Because uh, now this everything that's happening is the result of him. Because yeah, I mean, he's, he's taken that general manager role over. And good or bad, this this team's future now has been jeopardized by Bill O'Brien. And in, I wouldn't be so critical if it was if they had made one trade, but I think the fact that they made two trades and and one of them is just so extreme in the Jadavion Clowney trade that it it's so lopsided um, that it, I mean it, it's unreal. Um, it's unreal at the moment, and and I wouldn't be so critical. Um, if it wasn't for that, I mean, if they traded the two first round picks and they, in the second and they got Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills, it's okay. Well, you know, they're, they, but they still got Jadavion Clowney. It's okay. Well, we see what they're doing a little bit. It's a little steep, but we get it. But the fact that they just gave away Jadavion Clowney and it doesn't really seem like they tried very hard to get much out of him. I mean, uh, if, well, if they, they would, the fact that they were actively trying to package him with a first round draft pick to go get a left tackle to me is, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, had he not played on the same defense as J.J. Watt, he, he has potential to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, the fact that he plays with J.J. Watt makes him kind of overshadowed by him, but the Seahawks are getting a potential defensive player of the year candidate for a third-round pick. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, if, if we if we flip this, and, and we're going to use, say, the Chiefs as an example, if the Chiefs would have given up Frank Clark, who they obviously just acquired from Seattle earlier this year, if they would have given up Frank Clark and say a second round pick to get Jadavion Clowney, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been mad, honestly. Um I I I think Frank Clark's a great player. Uh Jadavion Clowney's better. Uh I don't think there's any ifs I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think that I would have been okay with that trade. And I think as a Texans fan, or as a Texans fan, I think Texans fans would have been okay with that trade. Um, but the fact that they get a third round pick and then a couple role players. Uh, it's yeah. They it, essentially got nothing, nothing to help their team this year out of Jadavion Clowney, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, and and like I said, I I don't mind that they traded Jadavion Clowney. I think he made it pretty clear that he wasn't going to play for them again unless unless they gave him a pretty steep contract. And we see, you know, Demarcus Lawrence got his huge contract, and uh, Khalil Mack got his huge contract last year. So we're seeing some of these defensive guys get these massive contracts and. Obviously, Jadavion Clowney would be in that same range, um, but I mean, they just gave him away for nothing. I mean, it, it it's it's such like you said, if you were to do this on Madden, I mean, the game would probably laugh at you, honestly, or it would just close <laughs> out and say there's been an error. You know, uh, I actually think it, I saw somebody on the internet do the trade in Madden, and it was, I mean, so low on the bar that it was. I don't even know if it was red. I think it was just empty on the interest yeah. meter. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's absurd. I mean, and, and even, even if they would have gone with the Seattle trade, I mean, get a first round or, or at least a second, I, I think I'd even be better if it was a second round pick, I'd say, okay, it's not great, but it's, it's something you can get great players in the second. You can still get great players in the third, but it's, it's just such a lopsided trade that, I mean, uh, it, it's God, it's just crazy. Well, on the bright side of things, if you're a Seahawks fan or a Dolphins fan, I think you got to be happy with what the Texans did because we mentioned the Seahawks are getting an NFL Player of the Year candidate, possibly, for literally nothing. And then if you're the Dolphins, and let's just be honest, Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills are not going to save your season. You're already heading down the path of being the first overall draft pick anyway. So you've added two firsts and a second to completely rebuild your squad. And if and there's one thing that's for certain, if you look at the Cardinals, if you take that dynamic quarterback first overall, it can completely change your team. Look at the Cardinals last year, laughing stock of the NFL. 
the Cardinals now all of a sudden people have them kind of as dark horse candidates to compete in that division. And, and, and I think it's literally only because of Kyler Murray. So if you get a guy as dynamic as Tua in there, I think uh, you're, you're going to be okay. So it might hurt as a Dolphins fan now getting rid of all your players, but uh, I think as far as rebuilding the future, it's probably okay. Yeah. And, and my thing is imagine, you know, as if you're a Dolphins fan, you know, with the two first round picks, um, I mean, imagine if you're able to get, you know, get a Tua and say a Judy later in the draft, you know, or a little bit later, or, you know, he probably wouldn't be available at that point, but, you know, we'll say like a Taylor from Wisconsin or an, or an Etienne from, uh, from Clemson, you know, all of a sudden your offense, all of a sudden you got a, uh, a legit running back and a legit quarterback or a legit quarterback and a legit wide receiver. There's, there's a lot of guys you could, you could go after, um, and, you know, or you could get a, um, you know, a, a Tua first, uh, an Etienne second, and then not to be biased because I'm a TCU fan, but we'll say a Jalen Rager in the second round or even the third round. And now all of a sudden you got your deep threat receiver, your mobile quarterback who can throw the ball and you got your running, you know, your workhorse running back. And all of a sudden you're, you go from being the laughing stock to you're kind of in a Cleveland Brown situation where you're saying, well, Hey, we're not actually that bad. Uh, yeah, and, and there's and honestly, if, if you can go out and get a guy like a Trent Williams next year to replace Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, I mean, you're going from, from dead last to, like you said, you're, you're really scary. You're a scary offense and, and, they have Kenyon Drake, and I think he still has potential coming out of Alabama. I don't think he's had a chance to showcase it, and I, I definitely don't think he's going to have a chance this year now with the offensive line as bad as it is. But um, yeah. you put some more pieces on that offense, and you know with Devontae Parker and and a couple other guys, I think it could get pretty scary. I mean, they it's a it's a it's a terrible situation right now, and and I I say this not trying to make fun, but I could legit see the Dolphins not winning a single game this year, and that's not to that's not to poke fun at the dolphins and that's not to make fun of them or anything. It's just that the, the disparity in talent and all the talent that they got rid of. I mean, that's a realistic you know possibility to me, but with that being said there, there's actually pretty bright hope in the future because now they're going to have an unreal amount of salary cap over the next few years. Cause they traded all their best players or they released them. And so they've, they freed up all this salary cap. They have all these picks you know, you'll if you get those guys, like I said, you get an Etienne and you get a a Tua and you get a Rhaegar, you know, a Rager and and you know, guys like that, and you still have a Devontae uh Parker, uh, you know, all of a sudden maybe like you said, maybe a Trent Williams says, Hey, they're not that far off, give them a little protection and we might, you know, they could have something down there. Well, and- let's be completely honest too. Miami's not a hard sell for players. I mean, uh, the, the word on the street is that players like to play in the state of Florida because of their income tax laws. Plus, it's Miami. I mean, you're on the beach, great weather. I, I don't think Miami is going to be too hard of a sell. Right now, it's kind of tricky, but when, like we were talking, if, if you get that young quarterback, you get a couple core players in there, you can get the free agents there easier than, say, a Buffalo where nobody really wants to play or Cleveland. Where even, but same thing with Cleveland. They get Baker Mayfield all of a sudden. Everyone wants to go to, to Cleveland. So so it's gonna suck this year, Dolphins fans, but hold on. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be rough, but give it two years and and I, I think you're gonna be right back in playoff contention to be to be completely honest. All right. So some other news that started out really sad and kind of took a roller coaster through the weekend. Um with the cut down happening, LaShawn McCoy gets cut from the Buffalo Bills. Um which it's crazy to me because you're talking as recently as 2016, 2017. This guy was a dynamic, stellar player. He had one bad year last year, um, coming in at just over 500 yards, and he gets cut. And it, it was a sad thing. But then he signs with the Kansas City Chiefs, which was kind of out of nowhere. Even I didn't expect that. And I thought the Chiefs were pretty solid at running back already. But he's reunited with Andy Reid. Um, we know he can do great things with Andy Reid. He he comes from being the target that the defense is key in on in Buffalo to being maybe the fifth best piece on the Chiefs offense. So I think he's poised for a big breakout year, and I think it's a great story for him because he got cut from a really bad situation, and he lands in a potential Super Bowl situation. I mean, it's it's the great thing with him is it's it's – a great fit for him and it's a great fit for the chiefs. If you really break down the chiefs roster uh, at running back, 
the only guy that they really have, you know, Andy Reid, if you look at him over the years, he's a guy that likes to use the running backs in the passing game. Uh, and the only guy that they really have that can they can utilize that way is is Darwin Thompson. And, and you know, he's not the biggest guy. Andy's a rookie, so he may not necessarily be ready for that workload at this point on, a, on an every game basis. Uh, so to bring someone like a LaShawn McCoy in who can, you know, you could run those screen passes with or, you know, he can run the wheel routes. He can kind of take that place that, you know, Kareem Hunt had very underrated hands, honestly, um, and receiving ability. So he can actually take that the receiving uh, part away from uh, Williams and allow Williams to focus more on the rushing. But at the same time, when you have someone like McCoy on the bench as your backup uh, in running, you know, situations, that's never a bad thing. So I think it's a great fit for him. It's a great fit uh, for the chiefs. And, and again, it just makes that offense that much more dangerous and which is scary to think about. Yeah. And I saw a thing last, uh, I was looking at it last night actually, but they said in Buffalo, like, 80% 80% of their runs were against eight-man boxes. And when you look at the Chiefs, let me just point this out. If you got Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, that's too many to have an eight-man box. There's never going to be an eight-man box against the Chiefs. And if there is, the Chiefs offense is going to exploit it deep down the field. Um, so I think you're going to see a whole lot less uh, stacked boxes, and I think LaShawn McCoy is going to flourish because I don't know if there's anyone better in the league at making people miss and shifting directions. And I, I'm for one, I'm super excited about it. It's something that it was like Christmas came early. I didn't even know I wanted it, but once they said it, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, and, and think about this as just a matchup nightmare. If you have McCoy or a, you have Hill and you have Watkins on the outside and you have, uh, Travis Kelsey uh, lined up at tight end. You have Damian Williams in at running back. Obviously, you have Mahomes, but then you have, say, maybe a McCoy uh, lined up at a slot. You know that could be a that could be a huge matchup issue. Or if you have him in the slot and you motion him to the backfield, and now you have McCoy in the backfield, you have Williams in the backfield, but you still have to account for Kelsey, Watkins, and and Hill, obviously. So it's the, the matchups that they could do. Uh, and some of the 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 uh, advantages they could have by having him out on that field, you know, whether it's lined up at a slot receiver, lined up in the backfield, uh, in two ba- uh, two back sets, things like that. Uh, he's a matchup nightmare for that, you know, for anyone really. Um, I mean, really, as that whole team is honestly, because like you said, you can't stack the box, but at the same time, you can't just do pass coverage because they're going to burn you with the run all day too. So. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how teams line up against this uh, against this offense, and and uh, if they're if anyone's really able to contain them, honestly. So, well, the Chiefs will face a good test week one against the Jags. So, speaking of that, let's go into our week one picks. Let's start with tomorrow night's game: Packers at the Bears. It's going to be a fantastic game. We haven't really seen a whole lot out of the Packers offense in the preseason. It's still a huge unknown with a new coach. We know exactly what we're going to get with the Bears, and that's a ferocious defense and a Matt Nagy-led offense that has Tariq Cohen and some other weapons. So uh, who do you got winning? Got Bears winning. uh, Packers, new coach, new offense, didn't really play much. Uh, It's going to take them a couple weeks to really get going, uh, bears win, but I think the Packers keep it close in the division throughout the season. Yeah. And I, I'm going to go bears as well. I do think that anytime you have Aaron Rodgers going into the bears, it's scary. I mean, if you look at last year, he injures his knee. You think he's done for the game, maybe even the season. He comes back out after half, ever getting his knee shot up and leads a comeback. So I think it's going to be close, but I'm definitely taking the bears. So let's move on to the one o'clock games. And we've got Rams at Panthers. Who are you taking there? Uh, taking the Rams. I think the Rams are going to have something to prove after that Super Bowl loss last year. Uh, Gurley's looking healthy. Sounds healthy, actually. Uh, I think it's going to be a little too much offense. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup. I think a close game, but I think the Rams take it. I'm with you on that. I just think Cam Newton may not be 100%. He, he claims he is, but we'll see when the game comes around. I think uh, – Christian McCaffrey is going to be dangerous, but I do like the Rams. Jared Goff with that new huge contract he pulled in this weekend. So um, let's move down the road to Redskins at Eagles. It's a little NFC East matchup. 
Who do you got? Uh, I got the Eagles. Eagles are going to be too balanced for the Redskins. They got good, uh, good passing game, good running game, good defense. Uh, I just don't think the Redskins on a talent level can can keep up with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Eagles are are one of the dark horse. I wouldn't say dark horse even. They're just one of the Super Bowl favorites this year out of the NFC. Uh, I just don't think the Redskins can keep up. So I'm Eagles as well. Um, Bills and Jets. Who do you got in that one? At the Bills, I'm actually pretty. Uh, I, the Bills are kind of a guilty pleasure for me. I love Josh Allen. I like that they added Brown at receiver, Beasley at receiver, uh, helped out the offensive line. That defense is always the defense is always nasty. They're always going to pressure the quarterback. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to be rusty. Uh, new coach with the Jets. Uh, I'm interested to see how Sam Darnold progresses, but I, I'm t- I'm taking the Bills. I'm actually going to go with the Jets on this one. I I also like the Bills, and they're one of my one of my favorites just because they're always the overlooked team every year. Um, but I feel like the Jets, Sam Darnold, I think is going to step up, have a big year. I think that Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if he's going to be to where he was with the Steelers, but I think he's going to be better than anything the Jets have had in quite some time. So I I got the Jets there. How about this great game, Falcons at Vikings? You're talking about a. You're talking about, you know, an elite offense with the Vikings uh, uh, or with the Falcons, sorry, going against an elite defense with the Vikings. Um, I think the the difference will be, can the Vikings offense avoid the mistakes when it matters? And can the Falcons defense rebound from last year where they had a lot of injuries and just didn't really perform very well, honestly? Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons on this one, I think it's going to turn into a bit of a shootout and and they're going to have too much offense for, for the Vikings. It's going to force the Vikings to make plays. And and we all know Kirk cousins kind of struggles in that, that, uh, that situation. So I'm going to go with the, the uh, Falcons. I'm going to take the Vikes on this. I, I think uh, I really like the Falcons offense this year, but I think with Dalvin cook having a full year back from his ACL, he's looking really good in practice. Um, They've got some more weapons on offense. I think this game isn't going to have to be won by Kirk Cousins. I'm hoping that that uh, Dalvin Cook can can pound the ball on the ground, and and that Vikings defense is going to be scary this year. So if they can pressure Matt Ryan, I really think the Vikings have a chance. Yeah, but it's, it's you're still relying on Kirk Cousins, so it's, that's true. scary. It's true. <laughs> I did draft him as my fantasy quarterback. We'll talk about that one later, though. All right, so this one might not be too hard. Ravens at Dolphins. <laughs> Despite what we said, I'm going with the upset. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, for for all the flack people give him, that kid is an amazing athlete. He's going to run wild. Uh, I think he's actually going to show that he can throw. I think he's improved his throwing a little bit. In the preseason, we kind of saw flashes of it. He's making better decisions. He's staying in the pocket longer. Um, I think he's going to throw the ball better than we expect, um, but obviously he's going to make plays with his legs. Uh, Ravens got Mark Ingram now. They got Earl Thomas leading that defense. Uh, it's kind of a new look defense, but obviously against the Dolphins, I don't think that's really going to matter. Uh, Talent-wise, they're they're way too much for the Dolphins to handle. Yeah, I've got the Ravens as well. I think, in, and I just said I had Kirk Cousins as my quarterback. I've also got Lamar Jackson as the backup and is actually going to start for me this week because this matchup all across the board just looks uneven. And I think Mark Ingram to me is one of the more underrated pickups this off season. I think that offense is going to be hard to stop on the ground. And just like you said, I think Lamar Jackson is going to pass it a little bit and it may, it may set some unreal expectations for him because he might have a huge game this week, but I mean, just look, look at the competition. It's going to be hard. They do have some good guys on the Dolphins' defense, but I think between Lamar Jackson running and passing and Mark Ingram running, I think they're going to pound the ground and and just beat the Dolphins silly. Yeah. Okay. So Chiefs at the Jags, we kind of touched on this. The the Jags have a really good defense. Who do you got? This is a scary matchup for me. I mean, I know the Chiefs kind of pounded them a little bit last year, but – um, you know, that, that Jags defense was in so many bad situations last year because of the offense, um, the offense for the Jags should be a little more balanced this year. Right now, at least Leonard Fournette's healthy. They got Nick Foles out there. Uh, they've got some receivers coming back. They did add Chris Conley, um, as well to the receiving core. 
Um, you know, and I, I think they're going to be a more balanced team. It's going to be, it's a bad matchup for the chiefs to start, but I am going to go with the chiefs, but it's going to be closer than what people think. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. I'm going to take chiefs in a close one, maybe by a touchdown. Uh, when you look at the Jags team, uh, one thing to look for is Chris Conley has been hooking up deep with Nick Foles. And I think that's where the Chiefs struggle the most is going to be deep. Hopefully Tyron Matthew can get in there and make some plays, but the Chiefs struggle at corner still, and and there is potential there. If the pass rush can't get there and Nick Foles has all day, it could be a long day in the Chiefs' secondary. But I think the Chiefs have, obviously, the firepower to, even if the Jags put up 45 points, they might still lose to the Chiefs. So I'm going to pick Chiefs. Yeah. All right, we got Titans at Browns. Who do you got? Um. This is a tough matchup, honestly. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cleveland on a. I mean, I think it's gonna be a single score game. Um, the Titans always seem to hang around there. I mean, in in every single game, they really seem to be just right there. Um, I, I think it's gonna be a good game. I think uh, at the end of the day, I think that that offense and the defense really of of the Browns are gonna be a little too much. The defense is really underrated. No one's really paying attention to it at, right now. Um, but then obviously when you have Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham and Joku, Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield throwing the ball, uh, they're going to be able to put up a lot of points. And I'm not quite sure that, uh, that the Titans can score that many. Um, I do think it's going to be a close game. I'm, I'm thinking more like 27, 24 kind of range, uh, maybe 30, 24, something like that, but uh, it's going to be a close game, but the Browns are going to take it. Yeah. I've got the Browns winning a little bit bigger. I've got them winning by a couple, two or three touchdowns. And I think what this is going to end up causing is I think the Browns are already overhyped and I think that this isn't going to help. I think they're going to come out and beat the Titans pretty handedly, but I'm just not sold on Mariota yet. I I think he's a good quarterback. We've seen him do some crazy things in person against the chiefs, but I think he's just not quite there. If Derrick Henry's healthy, I know he kind of had some ankle injuries, didn't play in the preseason. If they can get Derrick Henry running against the Browns, I mean, the Browns have a scary defense, though, with Miles Garrett, and, and they've got – they really have players all over the field. It's just a matter of how how much of a cohesive group they've become. Um, it could be scary, but I'm going to take Browns by maybe 20 points. All right, we got a matchup here that looked at the beginning of the season to be like one of the marquee matchups. It was the Colts-Chargers, but the Colts don't have Andrew Luck now. they got Jacoby Brissett as quarterback. Chargers don't have Melvin Gordon or Derwin James. Uh, who do you got? Uh, I mean, I, I think this is kind of what you said with the Browns and, and Titans. I think this is going to be a two-touchdown game. Uh, it's going to be the Chargers. Um, at the end of the day, you know, they don't have Melvin Gordon. They don't have Derwin James, but they still have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Phillip Rivers, uh, I mean, he's he's a, a you know future Hall of Famer likely. Uh, they got great receivers, uh, solid offensive line. They're going to be able to rush the passer. Um, I'm, I'm going with the Chargers for sure on this one. I'm actually going to pick the Colts in an upset. And this sounds crazy, but I think people are kind of sleeping on the Colts because of the Andrew Luck situation. And let's not forget, the Chargers always start the season off terrible. Uh, they got injuries, and and it could be whether it's Phillip Rivers throwing picks or fumbles or more injuries or Hunter Henry going down. I just like the Colts against the Chargers because you got to remember, the Colts still have one of the best offensive lines in the game right now. They still have a good defense. They still have T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack. They've got some weapons. It really falls on to Jacoby Brissett and how much they can run the football. So I think they pull off the upset by, by field goal. Okay, we've also got Bengals at Seahawks, and obviously no A.J. Green for the Bengals. Um, Seahawks, new Jadavion Clowney on the team. So who do you got? Uh, you know, I think if A.J. Green would, was playing, my my thought process would be a little bit different. Um, I think the Bengals are going to surprise some people this year, but they are going to lose week one. Seahawks are going to win. Um, you know, Seahawks. Seahawks got a, they got a lot of again they get another team a lot of talent on both sides they run the ball well they pass the ball well uh, their pass their pass rush on defense obviously just got a lot better uh, and they always defend the pass well and they got Bobby Wagner there in the middle so I think uh, it's going to be I think it's going to be closer than what people are expecting but I, I think the Seahawks take it yeah I think that 
Chris Carson's going to pound the football, and I think he's going to be the key to their win. And I, but I do think something to watch out for is Tyler Lockett might shift down into the slot with Doug Baldwin gone, and you're going to see some some big hookups between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. So I've got the Seahawks winning. Uh, but don't be surprised if it is, like you said, closer. But I think that they win it on the ground. All right, we've got uh, a matchup that Vegas has at an even matchup. They don't even have a winner picked on the money line. So this is 49ers at Buccaneers. You got? Um, uh, I'm I'm going the 49ers. It's uh, I'm not really excited about either team at the moment. Honestly, they both have some some major questions um on on both sides really but um i i think the uh i i the the 49ers have a little bit better running game and um i think that's going to be the difference but there's huge questions with with winston and with garoppolo um that i'm, I'm still waiting to get some answers on so i'm gonna i'm giving the 49ers a slight edge but it, it, i'd say it's one of my honestly one of my you know least anticipated games of the week yeah, I'm with you on that part, and I do think it comes down to, you know, you're talking about after Ryan Fitzpatrick left last year, Jameis Winston came in and was bad. Uh, he looked shaky. He missed some time from a suspension. Then you go over the 49ers. Obviously, uh, Garoppolo goes down with an ACL. Looks shaky throughout the preseason, so a lot of question marks at quarterback at both times. I, I think the Buccaneers are going to win this because I, I just feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is not hundred percent mentally back from being injured. So I'm going to take the bucks in a close one, but yeah, this definitely falls low on the list of games. I want to watch. Speaking of games, I don't want to watch. I'm just kidding. This is giants at Cowboys. Who do you got? I mean, I'm going Cowboys on, on paper. This should be a blowout, but I never take a, a division game for granted. Um, the giants and Cowboys always play play close games whether one team's good and the other team's bad or not it doesn't matter they always play close games so paper it should be a blowout but i think it's going to be a semi-close game at least early uh, but i'm taking the cowboys yeah and eli manning and the giants always it, i don't know how this ends up but every single year it's always the cowboys giants the first week it never changes for some reason but giants usually play them pretty tough in the first week but i think uh even without Ezekiel Elliott, I think the Cowboys could have won this because of their defense and because of Dak Prescott. I do think you add Ezekiel Elliott in, and they're just going to win even more. So I think it'll be close just because it always is, but I'm with you, Cowboys. All right, we got the Lions at the Cardinals. Who you got in that one? Um, I'm, I, I'd say it'd be a little bit of an upset, but I'm going with the Cardinals. Uh, I'm interested to see that Cliff Kingsbury offense. Uh, I want to see him, you know, he kept it pretty contained in the preseason uh, from his own words. Uh, so I want to see him open it up. I want to kind of see how Kyler Murray reacts. Um, I think they're going to rise to the situation and surprise people. I don't, I don't necessarily know if it'll be a sign of how the season's going to go. I think it's going to be more of an, uh, you know, catching people off guard and an adrenaline based win um, if you would. But um I, I'm going Cardinals. Um, I, I I think the Lions have a better season overall, but the Cardinals win this game. I'm actually going to go Lions on this. I feel like, you know, they did say that Cliff Kingsbury kind of contained and watered down his playbook in the preseason, but it's it's hard for a player to adapt to a new playbook like Kyler Murray when you don't play with it. So I think it might take them a couple of weeks to get rolling with the new playbook. I'm going to go Lions, carry on Johnson. You think Matt Stafford would kind of carry the load, but I'm going to say carry on Johnson runs all over the Cardinals because you got to, you got to remember the Cardinals were a bad team and it wasn't just because of the quarterback. Um, they've added a couple pieces, including the quarterback. I don't think they're that much improved to, to pull off this win yet. I think two or three weeks in, they'll be good, but I'm going to pick lions here. So then we've got Sunday night football and this one is going to be a good one. Steelers at Patriots. Who do you got? I'm going Patriots, uh, defending Super Bowl champs. I know that they usually start the season a little shaky, and we're we're probably going to jump the gun and say this is where they finally end it, you know. <clears throat> but I, I think I'm I'm going with them. Uh, the Steelers' defense last year, you know, it got better toward the end of the season, but it was it was shaky at best throughout the season. Uh, the offense, you know, 
it should be pretty good even without Antonio Brown, but I, you know, I want to see how, uh, how Juju handles, you know, being the guy, not having Antonio on the other side, uh, you know, how his replacement's going to do, you know, how, how they're going to be able to run the ball. Um, defenses will be able to stack the box a little bit more now that they don't, now that they don't have to worry about Antonio Brown. Um, so I, 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 you know, Bill Belichick's a master of matchups. I think he's going to take advantage of that. I think the Patriots win the game, but it, it'll be semi-close. I expect it to stay within about 10 points. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a really close game. I think anytime it's a close game going into the fourth quarter, I'm going to pick Tom Brady, obviously. You saw what happened to the Chiefs two times last year, two fourth-quarter comebacks by Tom Brady. So, um, yeah, I, I'm picking Patriots in a super close fourth-quarter comeback. All right, so now let's move on to the first game of the doubleheader of Monday Night Football, and that is the Texans at the Saints. Who do you got? I'm I'm going Saints. You know, they're obviously, I think, going to be – this is kind of going with the Cardinals. I think this is going to be an emotion-based win. Uh, they're, they've, they've got a lot of anger built up after that NFC Championship game last year. Uh, didn't really lose any key pieces. They did gain a couple key pieces. I mean, they lost Ingram, but – uh, they do have Latavius Murray to replace them. Uh, I mean, they they've got some some good pieces that they added to it. Uh, and, and the Texans, I'm not quite sure they're going to be ready to go, um, especially on defense. Uh, so I do think the Saints take it. Um, it should be a, a fantastic game, though. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I feel like this is going to be a super high scoring game. I've got the Saints winning something maybe like 45 to 43 or 42 i mean you're talking about two quarterbacks that are two of the best in the league right now you've got um the texans kind of questions at running back but the saints have alvin kamara who's one of the best at this point you got michael thomas deandre hopkins two of the best wide receivers in the league um and the defenses are are pretty good but i just don't think you can stop this but either one of these offenses really and i think it's going to be a super high scoring game but i do like Drew Brees and the Saints. And in the last game of this of the week, we've got AFC West matchup Broncos at Raiders. So ending with a fizzle there. I'm just kidding. Uh, who do you got? I'm going Raiders on this one. Uh, I think, you know, this is year two of John Gruden. Uh, last year I was saying, you know, look for that big improvement. Yeah. Year two, particularly year three. Um, I expect them to be a better team. I don't expect them to be a playoff playoff team um but i do expect them to be better uh broncos actually expect to slip you know slip a little bit i think their defense will be fine i'm just not super confident in that offense honestly um so i I think the raiders are going to take this game uh not expecting a you know a ton of points from either team i think it's going to be in that you know 21 17 kind of range but uh it should be a good way to get the season started for the raiders yeah, I'm actually going to take the Broncos on here because I think that their defense is still a maybe top 12 defense. I've told some people that I'm friends with that are Broncos fans that I project the Broncos to finish at 12 as the, as the defense. They've got Von Miller still. Got a new coach with Fangio, and he's a great defensive mind. So I think Derek Carr is going to struggle a little bit in the opener. I do think the Raiders can be much improved, and I think this will be a close game, but I think Broncos by a field goal and a low-scoring game. And that wraps up our week one picks, and we will keep track of how we're doing, each of us, and then each week we'll kind of uh, tell you guys how we're doing and we'll reveal next week's picks. Okay, now let's take a look at what to watch for in fantasy week one. Um, what's one thing you're looking for in fantasy here? Who's, who's going to have a big game? Who's going to have a bad game? Kind of tell us what you're looking for. Yeah, I'd, I'd say one of my, my, uh, picks to watch isn't necessarily a sexy pick. It's the Cowboys defense against the giants offense. Uh, I mean, the giants don't really have a number one receiver. They, I mean, Sterling Shepard, I think is an okay. Number two receiver, uh, you know, Evan Ingram, is is a good tight end, but he's also going to have to be going against uh, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith and Sean Lee. So uh, bad matchups for him personally. Uh, the pass rush for Dallas uh, and the run stopping even. Uh, I think the Dallas defense is, is going to just put the hammer down on the Giants. Uh, I, I think they're going to get to Eli Manning. I think they're going to make him you know commit some bad throws, maybe get an interception or two. 
Uh, I could definitely see three to four sacks out of him. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence himself even said that he loves playing the Giants because he gets so many sacks against Eli Manning all the time. Uh, so I think that you know, not necessarily a sexy pick, but it's it's just a practical pick if you have. Yeah, the, it doesn't the, it doesn't help when Eli stands back there like a statue. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, if if you have the Cowboys defense, I would definitely start them if they're available and there's someone you don't mind dropping. Go out and get the Cowboys defense. Um, I, I do think it's a great matchup um, for them personally. I'm gonna go with the Ravens, a couple Raven players really because. We talked about the Dolphins just being a bad matchup. Um, I'm going to say Lamar Jackson has a big week, and Melvin Ingram has a big week. I think it's it's so hard when they run as much as they do to contain him. I think they would be happy if 80% of their plays were runs, and they can do it successfully against the Dolphins. So I'm expecting both Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram to have big games. If if you got them in your lineup, start them. I'm starting Lamar Jackson over Kirk Cousins this week. Um, if you got them, start them. What's another one you got? I, I've got the Houston Saints matchup, and and on this one, it's if you have an offensive player on either one of the teams, start them uh, within reason. Maybe don't start Ted Ginn, or or you know, like there's a couple players maybe, but if you have a DeAndre Hopkins, you have a Michael Thomas, you have an Alvin Kamara, you have a Duke Johnson, Drew Brees, uh, Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, I would start them because there's going to be a lot of points put up in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of yards put up in this game. Uh, offensively, the, it's going to be some great matchups, a great opportunity to score some points. Yeah, it'll be a fun one to watch. So my second one's going to be kind of a sleeper, and that's the Bucks versus the 49ers, and it's going to be Chris Godwin. Um, and I think Jameis Winston will have a solid game too, but I like Chris Godwin as a solid wide receiver one this week. Um, I've seen him projected in a couple of top fives. I think he's going to have a big week. I mean, I don't think Richard Sherman's going to shadow him or anything like that. So I think you're, you're going to see him kind of move all over the field. And he's going to be the guy that maybe with OJ Howard, but I think Chris Godwin's going to have the biggest game for the Bucks against the 49ers. I think that'll, I think that'll be a, I think that'll be a good matchup. Should be a fun one to, to, uh, to watch if Sherman does, uh, does shadow him it'll be a good matchup to keep an eye on all right my next pick i'm going with aaron Rodgers against that chicago bears defense uh, it's an interesting matchup uh, obviously you have the best defense in football in the bears but you also have aaron Rodgers on the other side as we mentioned earlier in the episode you know early in the season last year he missed half the game but still led him to a huge comeback against that elite defense um, and kind of, you know, as we mentioned earlier with the Cowboys and Giants, it's, it's a divisional game. Um, those games are always close for, I mean, really every division, honestly. Um, I, I think Aaron Rodgers could surprise people. Do I think he's going to put up 40 points? I don't think he's going to do that. But I think as a quarterback, if you put up 25 to 30 points against that Bears defense, that's a pretty solid week. Um, so I, I, I think that's going to be a good matchup, honestly, for Aaron Rodgers. I think it's something to keep an eye on, and uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to catch some people off guard. Yeah, I like that match. I mean, you got to remember he's got Devontae Adams, who people are taking as the number two receiver in fantasy, so he's got some weapons there too. Uh, my last yeah. pick is going to be Dalvin Cook with the Vikings against the Falcons. I think the Falcons defense can have some holes in it. And I think Dalvin cooks running with a chip on his shoulder this year. He comes back from an ACL last year. It doesn't run particularly well uh, from all the reports and everything we've seen in preseason. The dude is a hundred percent back and he is running hard. So I expect him to easily put up a hundred yards against the Falcons defense. I think that, I think that'll be a fun matchup. Uh, as we said earlier, uh, the Falcons did have a pretty banged up defense last year. They got a lot of new faces out there. Uh, and the and the Vikings, I mean, they're going to be able to spread the ball and they're going to keep all those people out of the box. Uh, it's going to be hard to stack that box with, you know, with the passing game that the Vikings have. So uh, that should be a good that should be a good matchup. All right, let's move on to a little college football. We saw week one happen already. Um, I was at the Husker game, and that was kind of a little bit disappointing for me. Playing South Alabama, they, the, the offense really struggled. The quarterback kind of looked sluggish and slow. I think it was more of a scheme thing, but they, they pulled off the win, but not quite what a top 25 team should do. Uh, what really stood out to you in week one of the college football season? 
Uh, you know, what kind of stood out to me really was the, the really the struggles of the uh, SEC. Uh, I mean, you had Mizzou lost to Wyoming. You had Vanderbilt lost. You had South Carolina lost to uh, North Carolina. Um, and then you had Auburn had to make a, a pretty, pretty solid comeback against Oregon uh, to win that game. So, I mean, they, they really kind of struggled even, even Alabama, you know, early on in that Duke game, it took them a little while to get going. Uh, you know, it was a tie game. I want to say late second quarter, uh, obviously Alabama pulled away in the second half, but I mean, some of the, some of these SEC teams we were expecting a lot out of, you know, they didn't quite, uh, quite get there. Um, I don't know if I mentioned Tennessee obviously lost, you know, huge, huge favorites, uh, and they were, they were upset. Um, so, I mean, it, it was, that was a bit of a surprise, uh, on the flip side, the big 12 actually went undefeated. Uh, you know, they didn't really have any marquee matchups, but it's good when you, when you see those teams top to bottom, even a team like KU playing Indiana state, uh, you know, was able to pull off a win. And, you know, that's obviously with KU, that's not a given by any means, uh, so to see them kind of go undefeated again, not against marquee matchups and not against, you know, elite talent, but, you know, a win to win, especially early in the season. Uh, so for, you know, for them to go undefeated, the sec to struggle a little bit, you know, I think those were the two things that really stood out for me. I'm sure you really like to see your boy, Mac Brown, get a win back in coaching for the first time in a long time. Right. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I love Mac Brown. I'm a, I'm a huge longhorns fan. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do love Mac Brown. I hope, you know, I hope uh, North Carolina has a great season this year. I think it'll it'll be a lot of fun. I think he's going to, you know, help steer that direction you know, or that program right uh, back in the right direction. Uh, it's actually a second stint at North Carolina. That's where he coached before he came to Texas back in uh, the late 90s. So uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to see him out there, and it was fun to see him get a good quality win against uh, an SEC school. Yeah, I think another thing that stood out to me was Wisconsin just pounding USF, South Florida. Wisconsin is one of those teams where they look like a steamroller running the football. Um, Taylor had four touchdowns in the first half and got pulled because they were so far ahead. Um, It's kind of weird to see Wisconsin because they always dominate all year long, but then they just can't ever win anything. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how it goes this year, going against some higher powered offenses and, and see what happens. I mean, they're, they're the traditional big 10 pound it on the ground team. So it was a 49, nothing win against USF. So they started the season off, right? I mean, it, it uh, the thing with Wisconsin is if they, if they can get consistent quarterback play, um, they're going to be a dangerous team, but that, that's always what seems to kind of, you know, bite them in the end is, is they can just never get that quarterback play that elevates the team. Um, so I think if they can get that this year, they're, they're going to be a scary team, obviously with Taylor out there running the ball and, and, uh, you know, they've got a, a pretty solid defense out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, that, that should be a, a team to watch for sure. Well, all in, this was a great week of college football being back first, first meaningful week of football we've had in a long time. Um, Looking forward to week two, there's a bunch of, of really great matchups, and I'm going to name a couple. I know you've got a couple you're excited about, but um, in the Pac-12, you've got Stanford-USC. That's going to be always a good game. Stanford's 23, USC's unranked, but I don't think that matters at this point. It's always a close game with them. Um, you've got Cal taking on Washington. Washington's number 14. That'll always be a close game. Um, we've got let me look at the schedule here. Clemson and Texas A&M. That's going to be one heck of a football game. What are you looking for in that one? Who do you think wins? One versus 12. Uh, I think Clemson's going to be looking for some revenge from last year. A&M actually played them extremely close last year, nearly beat them. Uh, I think A&M's going to, or uh, Clemson's going to want to rectify that and and really put a put a pounding on A&M. So I, I, ex, I ex, honestly expect Clemson to win pretty big this week. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to watch. One I'm looking forward to, obviously, since I'm a Husker fan, is Nebraska traveling to Colorado to renew the old Big 12 matchup. Um, last year, Colorado took it. Uh, Adrian Martinez for the Huskers got hurt. 
It was kind of a controversial. The guy tackled him and twisted his leg a little bit. So there's some bad blood brewing between these two teams again. It should be an old-fashioned rivalry. I'm excited to watch it, and and hopefully it it works out better for the Huskers this time. Yeah, I think that'll that'll be a fun one. I remember watching that game last year, and Martinez, you know, got hurt on like you said a questionable play. Uh, if I remember right, I think the only other quarterback uh, for Nebraska that day was an uh, a non scholarship guy. Um, that yeah, that came in Andrew, and, Andrew Bunch. <laughs> yeah, and he came in and and you know he made a couple of plays that you know actually looked pretty good, and then he turned around and made a lot of plays that you know made you realize why he wasn't a scholarship. So. <laughs> And now let's talk about the big one that I know you're excited about. Number six, LSU versus number nine, Texas Longhorns. How do you think that one's going to play out? Uh, not trying to be biased. I, you know, I, I, I mean, but I'll, I'll admit I am biased. It's, it's, uh, I'm obviously I'm going Texas. Uh, you know, they're, they're the, the only thing I like more, uh, than, than a Longhorn win over, over someone like an Oklahoma is a Longhorn win over, anyone from the sec uh i think the sec is highly overrated not trying to not trying to sound bad on it i just you know i think i think they get a little too much publicity so anytime texas can go in and beat a team like that uh i just love seeing that so uh you know hopefully it's a repeat of uh the bowl game last year when they beat uh when they beat georgia in the bowl game so uh, you know, Texas a little thin at running back right now, but uh, I think Ellinger will be able to 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 lead him to a win. Well, the great part is this is they say that the wins and losses at the beginning of the season don't matter as much as the end because you have time to to regroup. So in the eyes of the playoff committee, they're going to say, "Oh, well, they lost to a top ten team." But to me, this is a huge win for either one of these teams because when that playoff committee sits down, they're gonna this is going to be. I think both these teams have potential to be top 10 at the end of the season and possible playoff contenders. So when you're looking at a win of this caliber, no matter what time it is in the season, I think it's big. So it ought to be a really fun one to watch. Yeah. I mean, this is a, it, it's really a win-win for both teams because if, if you win the game, obviously it's a huge win, but if you lose the game, it's not a bad loss. Uh, like you said, in the eyes of the committee, it's not a, it's not going to be a bad loss. If, if they, if you go through the rest of the season and this is your only loss, um, you really hope for the other team to succeed because if you get to the end of the season and, you know, say Texas loses to LSU, but they win the rest of their games and LSU loses two games and it's, you know, Hey, yeah, we lost, but it was to a 10 and two team. Uh, so that, you know, it's not a bad loss. Uh, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons Wisconsin always struggles towards the end of the year because they don't ever have any top 10 matchups really. I mean, they might occasionally play an Ohio state or something like that. And usually they'll lose to a, a top 10 team. So then when the playoff committee starts to look at it, they're going, Oh, well, the only time you played a top 10 team, you lost. So I think this, this game has a lot riding on it. It's cool to watch in week two. And it, it it really gets both teams kind of a jump start because, you know, it, it allows uh, LSU to get ready for a pretty brutal uh, SEC schedule, but it also gives Texas a little jump start to start getting ready for schools like Oklahoma and Iowa State. Uh, and some of the schools, you know, I think will be, uh, you know, rebound years like uh, TCU, guys like that. You know, TCU typically has a down year and then follows it up with a great year. Um, they look pretty good last week. So, you know, I don't know if they'll be, you know, a, a conference contender, but I think I expect a better season, maybe an eight win, nine win season. Uh, so, but it'll allow them to get ready for those types of teams. Uh, and, and like I said, LSU as, as well. So it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be a very physical game. Uh, Sam El- Ellinger is a great, you know, just very physical guy. Uh, when he runs the ball, he's not a, he's not a Lamar Jackson style runner. He's not shifty. He runs right at you. Uh, I think that catches a lot of people off guard and kind of, you know, you saw that in, in the Georgia game last year, I think it kind of wore Georgia down a little bit, uh, that he just kept coming right at him. Texas has big physical receivers, uh, LSU though, obviously they, they've got a legit quarterback there. They can run the ball. They've got a stout defense. Uh, I, I mean, I'm looking for, for some old school football mixed in with some highs, you know, with some, some new school scoring, uh, old school style football, but there's going to be a lot of points put up. Exactly. And and the great part is whether you're a college football fan or not, this week is the week that everything is back in full swing. 
College football Saturday, premier matchups in week two. NFL week one, going to be fantastic. We got games on Thursday night, games on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, doubleheader on Monday even. So it's it's safe to say football's officially back, and I couldn't be more excited. Absolutely. All right, I think that's all we've got for this week. Uh, what do we got in store for next week? Next two, next week, we're going to be going over week one of uh, the results of week one of the NFL season. Uh, week two of the college football season, we'll be going over uh, some of the fantasy performances. Uh, we'll give you the results of our pick them uh, of, of our picks uh, that we did for week one. We'll give you our picks for week two. Uh, and you know, any other headlines that, that come up between now and then we're going to be going over and, and, and just kind of a reminder of something I said earlier in the season, even or earlier in on an earlier episode, uh, even if you're not a college football fan, make sure you watch some college football. Cause again, these are going to be the guys your team's going to, you know, that's going to be playing for your team next year or the year after. So make sure you get out there, watch some college football, familiarize yourself with it. Uh, and you might even, you know, find something you like really. So make sure you watch some college football, make sure you watch some NFL football, uh, just get out there and, 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 you know, watch anything you can and everything you can. Absolutely. And guys, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out our new website at gridironauthority.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find our uh, blog posts about our top picks and fantasy strategies. Lots of cool content on there. You can also find our podcasts everywhere podcasts are streamed. So stay tuned. <laughs>